great to see you this morning. I'm glad that you're here. Today we're still talking about inner peace. And we've walked through the last few weeks. We've talked about stress. We've talked about anger. Today we're going to be talking about a, we- a word that maybe quite often we've all felt. It's fear. Fear. I looked up on the internet several different things about fear, and I was trying to do some research and just trying to gather what are people afraid of. And I, I kept going from list to list to list to list, and there were tons of fears. So let me just see if you fear one of these. You don't have to raise your hand, so I don't want anybody being called out and feeling like, oh no. So here we go. Ready? What do we fear? Losing freedom, war, Ebola. Unknown, the, the unknown, we fear the unknown, not being in control, pain and suffering, failure, disappointment, disappointing yourself, disappointing those you love, loneliness, the fear of being alone, rejection or being ridiculed, death. Or you could go down to some of these simple things like you're scared of flying or public speaking. That is still one of the highest fears that people have is to stand in front of people and speak what about spiders anybody afraid of spiders we'll call you out on that one anybody yeah a couple people what about snakes anybody snakes yes there you go i knew we'd get a few people okay here's here's a really big one you ready clowns is there anybody afraid of clowns okay yeah several people it is funny my wife she, she cannot stand clowns she does not want to go to a circus she doesn't like clowns she just stays away from them I'm like, Jamie, really? And it was funny because when we first got married, um, or we started dating, and then we became um, engaged, and then she would come to my house, and she would visit. My mom actually had a room um, that had clowns in it. And she's like, don't make me sleep in the clown room. <laughs> she, it, just was, it, it messed with her. She couldn't do it. I cannot sleep in the clown room. So um, clowns, what about heights or germs? There's a lot of different fears that we can have. And the question becomes, in this day and age, yes, when we look at our lives and when we look at uh, what is going on in our world, fear is really part of the daily living. But God has not called us to live in this spirit of fear. God has called us to live a different way. And if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua is one of those famous characters that we, we love to study, we enjoy reading about. It's about conquest, it's about getting into the promised land, finally, after all those years. And Joshua, right as he's getting started in chapter 1, God speaks to him and he gives him a clear message. And he, he consistently, over and over again, repeats the idea of, don't be afraid, be strong, have courage. You're doing a good thing, and and don't worry, don't have fear in your life, and don't let fear control you. So the question becomes, can we really live that way? I remember as a kid, um, one of my job duties was to take out the trash, right? I was the oldest son, and so I was supposed to take out the trash, and it started as early in elementary that I was supposed to take the trash out. Now, um, where I grew up in Dumas, uh, we actually had alleys. Do you remember alleys? Okay, alleys are the street in between, behind the house, behind your fence, and then there was a, be a, another fence, the other house over in between. And so what they would do is they, the trash would actually, there was a trash dumpster in the back, and you would drive down the street. I know many of you maybe remember it, but some maybe might not, not. And so what would happen was this. As typically, I wanted to make sure I took out the trash before it got dark. And there's, there's days in which I forgot, and Dad would still make me take out the trash. And I hated 
going out. Now, we had, we, you're like, what about your dogs? We had bird dogs. They would lick you to death, but they would do nothing else. But there was no protection at all. So, so you'd walk out, and it was, you're turning on the flashlights. You're looking all around. I hated going into that dark place, going into that alley. Now, during the day, you'd run up and down, and you'd hide all up and down there because it was great places to hide and seek. But other, during the night, no way. Fear. Let me ask you a question before we get started. What is your greatest fear? What is your greatest fear? Think through it. Because here's what I want to do today. If we just left it alone and we didn't actually talk about our fear, is it losing your job, losing your spouse, is it, is it losing your health? What is, is, it, is it dying? What is your greatest fear? Because if we actually walk through this message today and we walk through this moment and we actually don't deal with your own personal fear and you don't let God speak right to your fear, then we really wasted our time. Because today what I want to do, and hopefully what happens today, is I'm, I'm praying that God speaks right where you're at. And I'm praying that God gives you a word about your fear. And that you walk out of here really truly with a new perspective of how great your God is. And that he cares for you and that he loves you. And that your fear should not stand. You ready? Joshua chapter 1. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Joshua chapter 1. We're going to read... Starting in verse 1, and it says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give to you, just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness And this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. And this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success." Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Would you pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. And I thank you for your blessings, your goodness, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to sing praises to your precious name. Now as we dive into this moment... I pray for the Holy Spirit's power and and freedom. I pray that he would be able to move and to speak into our lives. God, I pray that you would remove our hindrances. And God, I pray that you'd give us ears to hear. We need to hear from you today, God. And I'm asking that you would speak. Speak loudly, speak clearly. Speak right to where we need to hear from you. And God, I pray that you would give us the courage to apply it to our lives. Give us a greater vision of who you are, God. In Jesus' precious name I pray. And all God's people said, 
Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. All right, in your bulletin, I want to draw your attention to the bulletin. There are notes in there. We're going to talk today about five facts. These five facts are facts about fear. We're going to identify the facts about fear, and then I'm going to show you through the Scripture how God addresses each of these facts about fear and hopefully gives you a solution that you can walk away today, apply into your life, and maybe even this week you can review, and you can see the fears in your life begin to crouch down. For some of you, maybe you're saying, well, he, you know, as a Christian, I, I'm doing pretty well. I've, I've lived my life. I've gotten this far. I'm doing okay with my fear. I've actually seen that comp, uh, accomplished. Maybe these points will be talking points then for you to be able to share with the next generation or maybe your kids or your grandkids when they have fears and you can help teach them and walk them through the ideas of, yes, fears, they have a, they are, there's several facts, but God has a solution for each one of them. So number one, you ready? Fact number one. Fear is natural. Fear is natural when you are facing the unknown. Fear is natural when you're facing the unknown. You see right here at the very beginning in verse 1, it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. The Lord said to Joshua, Moses' assistant, it's now your turn, bud, step up. Moses is dead, you're now in charge. Can you imagine what it means to be Joshua at this moment? Think of all the unknowns, all the fear, all the things that can be creeping in at this moment. Okay, first of all, Joshua is following Moses. Who's Moses? Arguably one of the best leaders of all time. He's in the top ten of many lists that you'll see across the world. They'll say that Moses is considered one of the greatest leaders of all time. And here's Joshua. Now it's his turn to fill Moses' shoes. Thanks a lot, God. Can you imagine having to follow Moses as a leader? Moses is now dead. He's gone. And you have no one else to back up into. Now, remember, Joshua has never been the main leader. He's never been the main leader. Now, he's been a leader. He's been the the one leading in battle. But he has not been the one that it all stops at. The buck stops here, so to speak. And now Joshua is pulled into leadership at the highest level. And now the responsibility lays on him. Do you think there could be some fear? Absolutely. Okay, let's just put it in perspective. Is he leading a small organization of 50 people? 100 people? How about 300 people? Think about how big he's now. He's having to lead millions of people, and now they're going into a new land. And the last time Joshua went into this land, do you remember what happened? 40 years earlier, he was a spy. And when he went in through the land... He saw all the good things of the land, but when he came back, there were ten people who said, we can't go, it's too big, it's too dangerous, the people are too strong, we can't do it, the walls of the cities are too high. The last time he went in, there was a bad report, and they spent the last 40 years wondering, and now here's what he has to do. He has to lead a people who have been wandering in the desert, and now he's going to have to lead them into battle consistently. Is that a good, is there good odds of winning? You're going against people who are known soldiers, who are known military men. They have walls that are huge around their cities. They can protect themselves. And now Joshua has to lead a group of slaves who have been nomads roaming around in a desert. And now he has to lead them into battle. That is not very good chances of success. And here's God saying, it's now time. The unknown. In your life and in my life, here's what happens with the unknown. When we begin to look at the unknown, fear begins to rise, doesn't it? 
You begin to look, oh no, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what this doctor's going to say. I don't know what's going to happen with my kids. I don't know what's going to happen with my grandkids. It's the fear of the unknown. And the more we dwell on the unknown, the more the fear begins to grip and grab hold of our lives and it gains territory in our souls. And we begin to worry, we begin to stress out, and we begin to be afraid. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where we're going to go. And here's God's solution. Look what it says. God's solution, go down to verse 3. He says, Moses, I'm telling you to go in, verse 2. I'm telling you to go in, and I'm going to give you the land, verse 3. And every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give it to you. And then God uses this phrase, just as I promised to Moses. When we are facing fears, and it's the fears of the unknown, here's the solution every time. You go to God's promises. Seek God's promises. God promises to you and I, if we would go back to our promises, here's here's what we fail to do. We fail to go back to the word of God and find out what God has promised. Who has God called us to be? What has God called us? And here's what the Bible says, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. You can mark it down in your life and in my life. The moments in which I begin to fear the moments in which I begin to be afraid. I can step back and say, okay, wait a minute, God, I'm afraid right now. I'm afraid of the unknown. I'm afraid of where we're going to go. I'm afraid of what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. And there's all these fears. And in the moment of those fears, I can step back and say, okay, God, I know this. First of all, if I'm afraid, it's not from you. So God, I'm going to claim this promise right now. This is not from you. And I'm going to claim the promise that you give me, not the spirit of fear, but did you see it? of power, love, and self-discipline. Do you see that? You come back and say, okay, God, I'm going to listen to your promises. What have you promised in the past? Romans 8, 15, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. I love that. If I'm afraid, then I'm not living, and I'm not living as a son, a child of the king. Because God didn't give me the spirit of fear, but he gave me the spirit of what? Being a child of his. And as a child of his, they don't have to worry. Now, go back to my illustration that was so crude and simple about going out to the alley. My dad knew there wasn't any danger out there. But you know what he also would do? He would turn on the light, and this is when I was little. He would also watch out the window. Why? Because I knew if I saw him, he was, everything was going to be okay. And what God is telling us is that go back to your promises. When you feel fear rising up, he tells Joshua, I promised this already. Does God ever break a promise? He doesn't. He never breaks a promise. And if he doesn't break a promise, then create the self-discipline in yourself to go back to the promises over and over again. Fact number two, you ready? Fact number two, fear multiplies with the strength of your problem. Fear multiplies with the strength of your problem. The greater the problem, the more the fear begins to rise in your life. Have you ever felt that? You begin to look at your problems and you're going, wait, this is way too big. Look what happens in verse 4. God tells Joshua, you're going to go into the land, and this is how big the land is. It's from the wilderness of this Lebanon over to the great river Euphrates. You're going to go all the way from there, all the way back over to the great sea. You're going to cross the entire Middle East. This is what I'm giving you, and this is the land I'm wanting you to conquer. Here's the problem. Joshua hears this, and 40 years ago, 
there were great problems that caused the entire nation of Israel to step back and say, God, we can't do it. We feel like grasshoppers. Do you remember the stories? We feel like grasshoppers. We can't go into the land. There's lands of giants. Has anything changed in 40 years in the land? Have the problems been erased? The problems haven't disappeared, have they? The same problems that stopped them 40 years ago are the same problems that are still facing them now. And Joshua's looking at this and he's going, wait a minute, this is a huge problem. I'm going to have to get everybody who was scared and afraid last time, I'm going to have to get them to be willing to now go into the land. It's now been 40 years and the problems are the same. Let's talk just very openly. We get afraid when our problems are big, don't we? And we begin to look at our problems and we can't overcome them on our own strength, our own abilities. And we look at how big they are. And we say, God, wait a minute, where are you? Why aren't you doing something? Because I can't do this and this is where they're at. And when our problems look big, here's what the solution. The solution is this, verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with who? You. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Here's the solution. You ready? When you see how big your problems are, trust God's presence. Trust God's presence. You're going, Heath, well, that was promised to Joshua. That's not promised to me. Let me read you another one. Psalm 118.6. Psalm 118.6 says this, The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Or maybe one of the most famous passages, Psalm 23. You remember in the middle of Psalm 23, verse 4, it says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Because you are with me. What happens is this, when we begin to fear We begin to look at our problems and our eyes have been taken off of God. And we forget that God's in the midst with us. There's this fear that comes when we think that we're all alone. And God gives us this promise. This is a promise that I have to go back to. This is a promise that you need to go back to. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Okay, God, in the midst of this, I'm I'm really afraid. It feels like you're not there. Maybe you've had those moments where you've prayed. And you begin to just cry out to God. And maybe it's been a day or two or three or four. Maybe it's been a week or two weeks or three weeks or maybe even a month. And God just hasn't answered. Have you been there? And God, you're just asking, God, where are you? And this promise, if you do not come back to it, what happens is your fear is going to grow. But God says this, I will never leave you. Little Johnny um, was asked by his mom to go get a can of tomato soup in the, in the basement off the shelf. And little Johnny didn't want to go. She said, Mom, it's too dark. I don't like going down there. And she said, it's okay. It's okay. Go ahead. Turn on the light. It's okay. And he goes, but Mom, I don't like going. It's scary. And she said this. Well, Johnny, Jesus will be with you. Jesus will be with you down there. So he opens the door to the pantry. And, you hear, and she heard little Johnny say, Jesus, if you're in there, hand me that can of tomato soup. we need that kind of faith don't we to really believe that he's right there that he's not just some some thing that we'd say to ourselves to give us a motivation it's not something that we just speak 
oh yeah, that's just a Sunday school answer. But we actually need to really believe that God hasn't left us and that God hasn't left us alone. Fact number three. Fact number three. Fear cultivates during extended periods of difficulty. Fear cultivates during extended periods of difficulty. Verse 6 and 7. God is speaking again to Joshua, and as he speaks, he says, Be strong and courageous. Isn't that a great statement when God is speaking to you, saying, Be strong, be courageous. This is for you. This is not for anybody else. Be strong, be courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7, only be strong and be very courageous. Why does God repeat it in two verses? I, I sat there and I had to think about this for a long time. Okay, God, obviously you're concerned that Joshua's not going to believe you. Obviously you're concerned that Joshua's going to be afraid. The task is really big and maybe there is going to be fear because the task is so big. And then I began to keep, I kept working through it and I kept dwelling on it. And part of the problem that happens with fear is that when there's an extended period of time that you're dealing with difficult problems, many times our faith is strong the first day of our storm. Are you with me? You walk through death with somebody, and you've lost somebody, and in the first day, the first week, they're strong. But it's in the moments that begin to follow because the pain doesn't just stop. Our storm doesn't just cease after a week or two. Where our faith begins to become challenged, where fear begins to really grow, is when there's been a long period of time. When after a month, your storm hasn't ceased. When after three months, your storm is not getting any easier. When God hasn't shown up, and it's been six months, and you're going, God, I thought you were a God who saves. I thought you were a God who was big. Where are you? And fear begins to really grow because now you feel like God has really left you alone. Are you with me? And fear speaks. And here's what happens. Joshua was going to have to go in. And the people were going to do battle. And after they win the battle of Jericho, did everybody else stop? Did all the other armies just lay down their swords? The answer is no. We're not talking about six months of fighting. We're talking about years of fighting. And God knew that over the difficult period of time, that there's going to be moments when they needed to look back and they needed to remember that God said, hey, don't be afraid. You're going to have to be courageous. You're going to have to be strong. Not only just strong and just courageous, you're going to have to be very strong, very courageous. Are you hearing this? Because this spoke so clear and as loud and God was just saying, Heath, This is what a lot of people need to hear. This is what you need to hear, Heath. This is you. In the moment of how long and how difficult, you step back and say, okay, God, if that's the case, then what's the solution? And look what the solution is. You ready? Verse 7. It says, only be strong, be very courageous. And here's what he says now. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. What's the solution? Obey and trust God with the consequences. Obey and then trust God with the consequences. You do what you can. You follow what God says 
And even though it's long, even though it doesn't look like God's showing up, God is working behind the scenes when you can't even expect Him. Wherever He's working, you don't even see it many times. But God is doing something grander and much larger than you can see. You allow Him to work, and you do what you can. Don't turn from the right or the left. And look what it says. You do this that you may have good success wherever you go. At the end of the day, we really do want to be successful. At the end of the day, we really do want to have God bless us, don't we? You want to have God bless in the midst of your troubles, in the midst of your fear, the things that's causing your soul to be in turmoil. Instead of fearing, you trust God and you obey Him and you just let everything else fall on Him. You say, okay, God, this is what I can do, this is what I can control, and I'm no longer going to fear All right, fact number four. Fact number four, fear governs your thoughts and your emotions. Fear governs your thoughts and emotions. Verse eight, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Why does God say, focus in on, meditate on, think about my word? Because here's what fear does. Fear captures our minds. If you've really ever been afraid, all of a sudden, you might think that you're not creative. You might think that you don't have any imagination. But when fear really begins to grab hold of your mind, what happens? Your mind begins to race with all the possibilities and all the things that are go- could happen, would happen. And fear grabs hold of you. And here's the way you can combat it. You actually go to the Bible. You increase your intake of the Word of God. You increase your intake of the Word of God. And what it does is it radically transforms your mind. So no longer is fear the main thought, but now God is the main thought. It was told that uh, uh, Stalin, during the the war, in Moscow, he had an eight-bedroom house. And every night, he was so filled with fear and paranoia, he he didn't even trust his own men. So every night he would sleep in a different room and he never told anybody which of those eight rooms he would sleep in. So that way if there was an assassination, then maybe they would get the room wrong. Fear captures us. And it it, it moves us. And God is speaking to Joshua and he's saying, Joshua, I just want you to know, this is where it's going to help. This is where it will radically transform your mind. If you're in a, a cycle of fear and it's consuming your thoughts, then increase your Bible intake. I don't know what kind of methods you use, but I just I give you a couple of the things that I do. Um, there's a couple of things that I do. Is I, if I'm in a moment where there's just, my mind keeps going over and dwelling over things that are causing me to fear, I come back to the Word of God and consistently I will write things out, I'll type them out, and then I'll put them up on the mirror. So that way when I'm brushing my teeth, guess what I'm doing? I'm reading God's Word, and I'm reading those things. I'm increasing it. Then I'll read passages during the day, and I'll actually outline, and I'll set up, and I'll say, okay, I'm going to read some passages that just deal with what I'm working on and working through. And then at night, before I go to bed, I have my same passages that I read. I have note cards that I'll carry around, whether it's in my pocket or I'll put them in my my vehicle. I know you're not supposed to text and drive, but nobody said you can't read a card and drive. <laughs> so, so you take the cards or whatever, and you, you're increasing the, the Bible intake. We live in a great day and age where you can also buy messages. 
or you can download messages from different pastors where it would speak about those topics. And you listen to a message and you say, oh man, God, I just needed that today. Maybe there's books. You go to the bookstore and you find a book about the thing that you're working through. But you increase your Bible intake so that God's word begins to grow. Because either one of two things will happen. Either fear will be growing in your mind or God's word. And if you want your faith to grow, we say it over and over again. If you want your faith to grow, how do you get your faith to grow? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You must increase. Now let's go to the last one. Number five. The last one is this. Fear gains power. Fear gains power in our lives and in our souls. Fear gains power by perceived superiority. Fears will speak a lie to you. And they're going to speak a lie saying your problems, yes, they're big. Your problems are bigger than God. Your problems are bigger than what God, and God has forgotten you. God has ignored you. Your problems are bigger than God. Their fear is going to speak to you. Here's our, here's our human nature. Human nature, when we have problems that are smaller than us, we can man up and we can take care of them. God sometimes allows problems to come into our lives. James tells us for the testing of our faith. And why? He allows sometimes the problems to be so big in your life that you can't control them. Why? Because as long as you can control them, you have no need for God. But as soon as your problems are bigger than you and you can't manage them and you can't do anything about them, all of a sudden now you need God. And here's the thing. Fear, when you look at it, you're saying, my problem's too big. I can't handle it. And that's exactly where God wants you to be. Why? Because, here's your solution, God is bigger. Look what he says in verse 9. Verse 9 is a powerful, powerful passage. He says this, have I not commanded you? Joshua, pay attention, listen up. I've said it multiple times, I'm saying it again. I'm commanding you. He fears an emotion, you're right. But you are called to control it. You are called to command and allow your fear to dissipate. How does it disappear? It says, be strong, courageous, don't be frightened, don't be dismayed. Why? How can you do that? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's because God is bigger. Say that with me. God is bigger. Say it again. God is bigger. Say it one more time. God is bigger. We struggle because our, whatever we're afraid of seems bigger. And because it seems it is bigger than us, we automatically put it on God that it's bigger than him. We used to watch, my kids would watch VeggieTales. Do you remember VeggieTales? Anybody know what VeggieTales are? Okay, there's, okay good. VeggieTales is, is this 30-minute little show um, where vegetables sing and dance and they tell Bible stories. All right? It seems extremely silly, but they tell Bible stories and usually there's some kind of story that goes along with it. And there's this one story about um, one, of the, one of the characters, he's scared. And then they sing this song. God is bigger than the boogeyman. You remember this? God is bigger than the boogeyman, boogeyman. He's bigger than Godzilla or the monsters on TV. Oh, God is bigger than the boogeyman. And he watches over you and me. Now, here's what we do with that song. My kids come down. We've, they've gotten in our beds before. And, and 
before. It happens quite often, I guess. <laughs> so, so we'll lay there, and there's moments where you just you put your hand on their head, and you begin to just whisper, and you just sing it. God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than the Godzilla or the monsters on TV. Oh, God is bigger than the boogeyman. Why am I singing that for you? Not because I like to sing. I feel very vulnerable right now, right? <laughs> I'm teaching my kids that God's bigger. And here's, where, here's what happens with us. You ready? Because we're adults and we have bigger problems. And our problems are real life and they're not fake or whatever. We allow fear to control us. But the same truth is there. God is bigger than, and you just dot, 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 whatever it is. God's bigger. So God is setting back saying, why are you afraid? Why are you dismayed? Why are you doing this? You are not called to be that person. You're not called to be afraid. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Holy Spirit resides in you, and greater is He that's in you than He that's in the so why are you afraid? Why are we living in this way? The challenge now is this. You see the solutions. God has spoken it. This is from God. He told Joshua, read back through the passage. God has got a greater plan for you than fear. And he wants to do something incredible through your life. Maybe you have allowed fear to stop you from doing what God's called you to do. Maybe you've allowed fear to stop you from, from I, I don't know, you just fill in the blank. It's time to no longer live in fear. It's time to release it and say, God, you're bigger. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Bible does tell you that you should, should be afraid. Matter of fact, you should be very afraid. It says, don't be afraid of somebody who can kill your body. Be afraid of the person who actually can destroy your soul in hell. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, this is not a scare tactic. This is just a reality. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, one day you will have to stand in front of a living God. And when he says, I don't know you, depart from me, and you are cast in a lake of fire, yes, you will be very afraid. But here's the beautiful gift that God gives. He says, God says, I don't want anybody to perish. In fact, instead, I give you my grace and I give you my love. And he sends Jesus Christ to take your place on the cross. And Jesus died for you. And his blood covers your sin. All you have to do now is give your life to Jesus. Ask him to forgive you. And ask him to be the leader of your life. And if you would do that, instead of being considered the enemy of God, you would be considered the friend of God. Isn't that amazing? It's by God's grace. Maybe some of you in this room today, that's what you need to do. You need to give your life to Jesus, ask for forgiveness, and become truly part of God's family. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we give you this time, we give you this moment. For those who do not know you as their personal Savior, God, I pray that they would trust you today. I pray that they would give their lives to you. God, for the rest of us who, who have trusted you as our personal Savior, Jesus, you spoke, and in John, you told us that your peace you leave with us. Your peace you're giving to us so that we would no longer be afraid. And God, we're claiming that today. I pray for a release. Help us to be strong 
and to be very courageous because, God, we know and we trust that you are bigger 